Integrative medicine, it's risen from a relatively fringe offshoot of Western practice to a central approach for thousands of clinicians nationwide and worldwide. But how did it get there, and where is the field headed? You're tuning in to ReachMD on the floors of the A4M conference in Las Vegas, and I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. My guest today is James Laval. He's clinical pharmacist, nutritionist, CEO of Integrative Health Resources. He's authored over 18 books on numerous subjects within the field of integrative medicine, and he serves as a course... Um, director or instructor. Yeah, instructor serves as a course instructor for the George Washington University Integrative Medicine Course. Welcome to the program. It's great to be here. Great to have you back again. Yeah. So help me understand the rise of integrative medicine, especially in this country from your vantage point. You've obviously been a pioneer. You've been on the forefront of it, somebody who's helped push it to many people who, like such, such as myself, ignoramuses in the area. <laughs> Tell me, how did it get there? Uh, where did it come from? Honestly, uh, I think the, there's a couple of forces that are really happening at the same time. One is that this was a part of medical practice in the 1800s and 1900s. I remember going through the College of Pharmacy at the University of Cincinnati, and the entryway, you would have a big case. And that big case was filled with natural compounds from major pharmaceutical companies and that was the medicine that we used. And then patent medicine came along and we thought, you know what, if we could just turn that one receptor off, we're gonna correct everything for that person. And that what we found is that modern medicine has tremendous application, but we also found that polypharmacy can have its drawbacks and its side effects for individuals and create a lot of complications. And so I think it was driven by the fact that we looked back to kind of a, a traditional sense of what had gotten people well in the past and then apply our new science and evidence base to it. You know, we have come a long way in trying to prove how things work. And then I think more importantly than all of that, because it makes us all look really smart because we're academicians. I mean, I taught 20 years at the University of Cincinnati College of Pharmacy and Medicine, you know, now at George Washington and a co-chair here at A4M. You know, helping drive content to you know, thousands of you know, practitioners, right? That's all really fun and it's cool. But I got to tell you, what really drove it is the consumer. People were not happy with the fact that, hey, I take this medicine and I really don't have a quality of life that it's improved, that, the, that I really don't see a change in the way I feel, but my numbers may look better. You know, I can tell you right now, you drop somebody's lipids, they go, hey, that's okay, great. Oh, wow, that's exciting. My lipids are better, doc which is okay and it's important. I'm not saying it's not important to manage lipids and look at OxLDL and make sure you're not plaquing your arteries and all that fun stuff. But what really makes people excited is when they go, I have energy again. I can think. I'm not tired in the middle of the day. I'm sleeping better at night. When people begin to reach out for improvement in quality of life, I think that's where integrative medicine really has started to take a foothold where it's a process over the last 50 years it's been going on in the United States and, and uh, obviously to a different extent in other parts of the world where it was actually more closely held as a valued practice, say more natural therapies of different sorts, whether you're looking at traditional Chinese medicine or uh, naturopathic medicine or things like that. So the, so the consumer said, we want these other therapies because they work. Academics and, and you know, societies of medicine said, well, let's check them out and see if they work. A lot of doctors and other healthcare providers started, you know, pushing on that and seeing that they worked. And, you know, as all things over time, they get accepted. And, and you know, I, I kind of always use this quote, you know, Niles Bohr 
know, they asked, well, what did it take for people to understand, you know, you know, the atomic age? And uh, he quite dryly said, new ideas don't get accepted, old people die. <laughs> right? It takes time for us to adopt new strategies and for myself and for other people that maybe were on the front end of this curve, you know, we could get impatient. But the reality is, is that diet therapy, everybody agrees with now. Vitamins and minerals, if you go to medical school, let's face it, it's a, they're called essential vitamins and minerals. And now we're just starting to really test for them and understand how valuable they are. And even things like amino acids, other therapies like cognitive therapies and behavioral therapies, people are really on board with now. I think the struggle that we all had is that we kept looking for that one thing that was going to fix someone. And I don't care whether you're reaching for a miracle herb or a miracle drug. Typically, it will take a program that incorporates diet, lifestyle, and supportive therapies in order to really maximize how a person's going to feel in their life. And it should be personalized. Right. So obviously, based on a number of the things that you said, the term itself, integrative medicine, implies a disconnect that is taking place and has taken place for some time with traditional allopathic medicine. We don't have to go very far to all recognize or at least be able to relate to that story of the patient who comes in with blood glucose in the 250s, has been that way for years, and you say, well, that's a problem, and they say, oh, but it's, it, it doesn't resonate in any way. But their issues resonate, their ability to feel better with treatment, which implies that traditional medicine has become a little bit too adherent to labs and, and other data. But is integrative medicine, while potentially filling a gap that traditional allopathic medicine has, for some reason, been hesitant to fill, right. is it there enough with the data? Is there enough data that allopaths are maybe too wed to as far as making it dictate a lot of their decisions? Sure. Is there enough data within integrative medicine to be accepted in, in the broader spectrum? Well, you bring up, you open Pandora's box there because I think there's so a few issues. One, if I name any five drugs that a person is on, do we have the data for those five drugs when they're given together versus in single entity data collection? Really, so when I talk about evidence-based medicine, and look, I'm a, I'm a pharmacologist. I believe in traditional medicine. I believe in the beauty of and power of traditional drugs. What I think we get a little too comfortable with is that it's the only thing that works. And if you're looking at evidence base, I can tell you, all right, let's, let's pick five drugs. Coreg, ibuprofen, lovastatin, hydrochlorothiazide, and losartan. Oh, wait, and Exlax. <laughs> put it all together. What do you get? Where's the, yeah, put it all together. What do you get? We don't know. So I think what we have to begin to understand is that we're all looking to improve the outcome of the individual, that we're going to need more data collection. We're going to need to look at these therapies in light of what's used, uh, for example, in diabetes. Lifestyle and exercise being in diet therapy being, in many cases, more effective than drug therapy. But what happens when we can use drug therapy and have lifestyle and corrective diet therapy? The other piece that we miss is the fact that, you know, how I really started to get this message across to doctors is I would say, okay, everybody understands the value of folic acid. Oh, yeah, sure. You give uh, oral contraceptives. It depletes folic acid. Nowadays, everybody says, oh, my gosh, don't get pregnant within six months after stopping oral contraceptives because an increased risk of neural tube defects. 20 years ago, nobody was doing that. 
that's when my term of that's what's integrative is. All integrative is is saying how am I casting? In addition to the fact that I've become an expert at drug therapy and diagnosis, I'm looking at lab tests. What other therapies do I want to put in my toolkit that I'm interested in as a healthcare professional to help me manage that patient better? Because everybody's not going to be as passionate about botanicals. So, for example, maybe somebody's not comfortable with the quality variability that's illustrated in botanical medicine over the last 25 years in the United States, right? There's issues in product quality and adulteration, and that's a legit, very legit argument that I'm not going to do botanicals. But I would like to know what drugs are depleting what nutrients, and I want to give vitamins, minerals, and amino acids that would act as a countercorrection because the drug is taking these things out of the body. Maybe you uh, say, you know what, I just know when I give people Augmentin, they're going to end up with diarrhea or a yeast infection, so I'm going to give probiotics. Maybe you think of physical therapies, which are very common now for pain management, for example. And so integrative medicine for me is, it's interesting. When I just, if I'm talking with another healthcare professional, you know, versus the strict term, which of course is now an official board, and, you know, doctors are looking to get, you know, board certified in integrative medicine. It, and why A4M grew so big over the last 20 years is because what it taught was it's just good medicine. Good medicine is looking for that extra answer to help improve the quality of life of that patient that sits in front of you. And integrative medicine offers that opportunity to expand your toolkit beyond just what you traditionally have thought of as evidence-based care. But the lines get blurred with evidence-based care as we move into these polypharmacy models where maybe we haven't really studied the interactions all that much. And we start to have it's a little bit of an experimental adverse event situation. And, and I think it's going to be good for medicine to embrace the fact that, hey, I might be able to get by with prescribing a few less drugs. Maybe not all of them, but I can get by on it prescribing a few less ones. And, you know, and maybe the patient even feels better. If you're just tuning in, this is ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, and we're at the A4M meeting in Las Vegas. And I'm joined by James Laval, and we're talking about the rise of integrative medicine and its increasing place in practice today. So we often hear from a number of specialists in certain disease state areas. Let's say oncologists. Oftentimes you'll hear the statement, well, my best case scenario would be to be out of a job because cancer would be cured which we'll, we'll debate the merits of that as to whether that's entirely true it's from some people, some people's perspective. Some people actually like having a job. Right. But the goal is to have that, that disease process in many cases just be cured so that we can all obviously live much better. Is the goal of integrative medicine down the road ultimately not to even be recognized as a specialty or a subset but just be a standard by which all traditional allopathic medicine can be practiced? I think, once again, I think you're going to have a gradation of intervention, right? I think you're going to have people that are more interested in what would be called integrative medicine or really peering into your metabolism and tearing it apart and personalizing what you need. And then you're going to have, have the, the need for just the people that are knocking down the real big problems, you know. So I think the specialist that's dealing with, a, you know, a, an ulcerative colitis um, he may refer to his integrative medicine practice partner after he gets it under control uh, and then be able to kind of get that person on kind of the next phase to their healing. So I think that while elements of integrative medicine are already being adopted in conventional medicine, you know, right? I mean, heart rate variability testing, orthopedic doctors using glucosamine post-surgery to help with connective tissue and collagen. I mean, there's pockets of this stuff that's already accepted. But I think integrative medicine 
specialists will always kind of hold to that person that really wants to help figure out your lifestyle. It, it affords a certain type of way of thinking, you know, like you're going to have to really want to talk to people a lot, find out what's wrong and communicate with them a lot. And so I think it, it's going to evolve. I certainly hope, look, if you want to know my personal wish, yes, this just becomes the new standard for people in the way that they become well. Nobody gets disease-free. I mean, I mean, honestly, when people get disease-free, I mean, let's just look. I, I worked a lot with oncology, and people get, quote, cancer-free. But at the same time, we know that there's progression. Autoimmune disorders pop up, post-chemotherapy. Kidney disorders pop up, post-chemotherapy. You know, other issues come up, autoimmune, other autoimmune disorders. And so the point being is, is that what we're really trying to do is get people to have their chemistries corrective and help, you know, kind of normalizing levels and then address these other vectors or factors that keep people from being well. And so that, yeah, you know, people can come into you and uh, report that they're feeling great. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Right now we're kind of losing that battle. I mean, honestly, we got 50% of the U.S. population is either pre-diabetic or diabetic. 77% are overweight. You know, cancer is on the upswing like we can't believe and autoimmune disorders are rising. So we're a far cry from this place of wellness where everyone's going to be, you know, when they come back from the land of Oz, right? I mean, our reality is, is that most people are in trouble with their health and we need an expanded toolkit to get them out of some of that discomfort and metabolic dysfunction that's taking place. Right. And so it's clearly no coincidence that the rise of chronic diseases with the decrease in primary care or the ability to provide that has created an opening for integrative medicine to be able to step in and perhaps provide a new model by which primary care at least can be addressed. Is well that right? put. I mean, a- absolutely. I think we over-specialized and we kind of lost touch with that, you know, hey, how do you get, well, you know what attracted me to, to even to pharmacy when I went into pharmacy school and, and now I taught at medical school. I'm teaching a ton of doctors. So I'm around a lot of docs, a lot, around a lot of pharmacists. It was the fact that I was accessible that people could come in and they could talk to me about their health issues relatively easily and I could start them off with some simple suggestions to keep them well. And we've kind of lost a little bit of that on where do I go when I want to get a question answered? Because what we resorted to was just a lot of drug therapy. So I'll take this, you know, take this antibiotic, take this uh, ibuprofen, you know, here, take this antacid. Instead of, you know what, are are you chewing your food before you swallow it? (laughs) Maybe you wouldn't need the antacid. Right, but it's. I think we've lost some of that, and I do think you're absolutely right that I think there is going to, there has to be an emerging gatekeeper. You know, the rise of primary care is, you know, it, it is on its way. I mean, if it hasn't, if it, if it isn't already, which I think we all know it is, um, we need that gatekeeper, and 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 I love teaching physicians who want to be that gatekeeper. Right, and yet. A ton of skepticism still persists around integrative medicine. You can't even say the term in some circles without getting a response from people. What is dragging the overall field down in that respect? Is, it, is there some element to its roots or its current progression, even offshoots therein, that call themselves integrative medicine, but the majority of people practicing it don't believe that? So what is dragging it down to create that kind of skepticism? I, I got to be honest with you. I'm going to go back to Niles Bohr. I got to tell you, new ideas don't get accepted. Old people die. I think it takes time for generationally us to adopt new science. Think about how long it took for MRIs to be accepted. Think how long it took for us to accept the fact that it isn't eating fat that causes heart disease. It's eating too much sugar. 
that's just a recent phenomenon. That's, that story and research started 40 years ago. So I think there's a distillation process that's taking place. And look, not to bang on conventional therapies, you know what I love about traditional medical training is that you're skeptical. You know, that every procedure, everything that gets shown, every miracle herb that comes out in the market, you raise an eyebrow to it and go, hey, does this work? Why does it work? Let me give it to some people and see if it works. That's what I do. I say, okay, look, if I don't see it work, guess what? You could have the best stuff in the world. And by the way, that's just not a criticism of botanicals. We've seen those same issues with medications. Of course. And so, so I think that... I love that evidence, skeptical view to science that says, does this really work for people? Here's what I think we haven't done yet. We haven't extended the lens that we look through. I wrote a book recently called Your Blood Never Lies. And Your Blood Never Lies was about looking at lab tests for trends. Before you become a diabetic, every point over 84 represents a 6% risk of you becoming a person with diabetes. So if you had a 95 blood sugar, you'd be patted on the back and said you have a normal blood sugar. If you have a 95 blood sugar, you have a 60% risk of being a person with diabetes. Which one do you want to be? <laughs> do, do you want to be that person that just waits till the diabetes hits and then I get my metformin and maybe I get my Losartan? Or do you want to be that person that says, hey, wow, two-thirds risk. I think I'll change my diet lifestyle, maybe take some nutrients and see if, if I can't swing those numbers. I think that lens needs to be better developed yet, meaning we have to extend this conversation to just not are we extending the time until you get diagnosed with a disease or are we keeping lab values with normal ranges that are allowing us to stay healthy, which I think is the true goal of integrative care, is how do we keep people and remain people in a healthy state? And that's a different way of looking at outcome studies. So where, where next? Moving this whole field forward, or at least the acceptance therein, um, is it better regulations? For instance, you mentioned botanicals. That comes up a lot. It's often sure. supplements, botanicals is an area of, of a lot of controversy because of the lack of regulation. Are those some of the next steps that kind of brings integrated medicine into the forefront, or is it something else? Well, I think quality control is under the substance of the, you know, the guidance of the FDA, and they can take any product off the market anytime they want. Good manufacturing practices have gone a long way in terms of manufacturing of dietary supplements, and I think there's a bright horizon for the dietary supplement industry in the United States not to be regulated like a drug, because they're not drugs, but to be regulated appropriately so there is no harm and people get the intended effect. That's important. The next thing is, is that what we've been working on is cloud-based architecture where we take informatics. So we take subjective surveys, lab values, gradation of the lab values away from the optimal lab values, factor in the fact that when they get out of range, how it influences disease, and then layer biometrics onto it and then start to do outcome studies with all these interventional therapies and say, all right, what worked, <laughs> right? Let's just pull the veil back and go, gee, we did this set of things for this person that felt this way, and here's the lab changes that occurred, here's the quality of life data that occurred, and here's the biometric information that changed. And now let's aggregate that into big data and see if there's subpopulations where those therapies work in some groups. For example, diabetes, all diabetics aren't the same, right? So for me, I think it's important that what next is, is uh, looking at architectures for, for collecting data that's different than one marker, one drug. It's a global reach into metabolism, a black box approach saying, here is the open system this is how the person's metabolism is behaving. Here are the therapies that we addressed. 
what was the outcome? And does it really matter if it was the fact that they stopped eating gluten, took a little more selenium or ate magnesium that made the difference? Because it probably was all three. But we have to get to that point where we start to look at the person as a whole and we look at their outcomes as a whole and we start to treat the priority of that data as to what's really working or not. And that's what I think is the next big step. The education's occurring. You can look right here, right? You have thousands of people coming here, doing classes, getting involved, being immersed in the latest information on how to change their patients' lives. What hasn't happened yet is cloud-based informatics. And that's what I'm involved with and have been involved with for a long time and really deploying a, uh, a, a solution to start to collect that data in a way that's acceptable to the traditional or more grounded sources of medical information. Well, you've heard it here first. <laughs> this is the marker, the first marker in a number of milestones we're going to be following with James Laval to find out how things are progressing in integrated medicine. This is ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. For more access to this and other podcasts, videos, et cetera, et cetera, come over to ReachMD.com, download, upload to your liking. Thanks again. And Dr. Great. Really appreciate your time. It was great. Thanks for having me.